Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you're at. I hope everything is going well for you today. And today's, uh, this evening's Dharma talk, I just received a, a book from, uh, I really enjoy, I haven't read much of it, but it's uh, pretty powerful. It's called The First Free Women, Poems of the Early Buddhist Nuns. It goes back quite a ways. I'm, I'm going to read a little bit of one tonight. And uh, one of the lines of the topic of the talk is called Arising All by Themselves. Arising All by Themselves. And it's uh, one of the lines in the poem, which I will read. But this is uh, published by Shambhala. Um, and the foreword's by Bhikkhuni Ananda Bodhi, uh, a nun. And then also it's written or compiled by Maddie Weingast. I hope I pronounced that correctly brand new 2020. And this was sent to me by us, sent to us actually by a student of mine in Toronto, Maria Bardowska. Yeah, she's on here. Yes, Maria's there. Thank you, Maria. I sent you a text. And I know you don't read your texts much, but when you get to it, you'll see that I said thank you. It's beautiful, 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 beautiful. I highly recommend it. It's a hard to, I can't hardly read it without crying. So wish me luck. So the line there, arising all by themselves, and this is a translation, of course, out of a probably Polly from, and she's a, um, her name is uh, uh, Patachara, Patachara, and we, we say her name 10 times a week. When we do the mother lineage here, we've added on a mother lineage in the evening and morning. So depending on what kind of practice is going on that day, but I think, uh, was it eight times a week? Yeah. Eight times a week. I don't do numbers, but I'm around a lot of people who do, so it's helpful. But we, we say her name along with the, the, all the mother lineage, which covers the ancient tradition out of India and China, uh, Japan, and Tibet, that we mentioned. And uh, anyway, if you, if you listen to the, the tune into the Zoom on that, you can uh, join in with that chanting every day, morning and night, most days. So the poem. Again, the title is Arising All By Themselves, and I picked that line out of there because that's that's a really good way of saying what's happening in the mind stream. And the way she handles this, according to this translation, is uh, someone is asking Padachara, the title is Another Uttara Crossed Over. So Uttara means nothing further in uh, Sanskrit, as I recall. I, I might have it wrong, but... Chisho can correct me since he speaks Sanskrit. Another Uttara crossed over. I asked Padachara, what is the path? Padachara said, just see all thoughts, words, and actions arising by themselves, arising all by themselves, not from some imaginary point within. And then the response was, I only partly understand, but I took a seat. As the sun was setting, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, pardon me for uh, disturbing the flow of this poem, I saw the endless line of one thing leading to another. <laughs> uh, she's not far away, I can tell you. 
one thing leading to another that had brought me to the cushion that night. Won't be long now. As the moon was coming up, I saw the arising and passing away of all things in every direction. As dawn was breaking, wisdom rose in the east and set fire to the long, dark night. But don't take my word for it. Set fire to the darkness within. I promise it's like nothing you've ever seen. So thank you for <laughs> putting up with my reading. So there's this, uh, I don't know how many poems are in here, but they're all just beautiful. As I said, I, I can't, I can only read about one at a time. Um, arising all by themselves. Thank you. And that you could look at your own mind this way. This is a very good uh, uh, recommendation teaching. Whatever arises in the mind stream, which is what I teach, Shikantaza, sit down, hold still, watch the movement, inside, outside, not different. It looks like it. it looks like the cardinals out there singing. No, <laughs> inside, outside is a misunderstanding. And if you if you don't see it, you'll continue to spin. It's not a threat, just an observation. So it's interesting if we sit down and hold still, every person here, every person everywhere, if we do hold still, that helps us, it sets up kind of an artificial structure where we're holding very still, something we wouldn't do ordinarily. There's always a little bit of movement, just a movement of your hand uh, from your from your um, left hand to your knee. Just that little bit of casual movement interrupts that the observer quality of the mind stream. This is why I don't teach um, walking meditation. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. Do all you want. Do it the rest of your life. It's interesting. It's a little more enjoyable than sitting practice. But it seems necessary from the way it looks here to hold very still and then kind of through contrast to see what keeps ramping up. It may be your rib cage as you breathe. It may be maybe notice your heartbeat. You may notice a, an itch in your uh, shin bone or uh, ache in your knee or maybe a little discomfort somewhere. Just observe. And when you observe whatever you're observing, uh, just receive whatever shows up. Don't, don't uh, accept it. I don't care how evil it is or how wonderful. Don't accept. Don't grasp anything. The other kind of grasping, the harder one to see, is when we reject something. You're actually grasping something because in order to reject it, you have to enter into that particular dy dynamic called what? Otherness. You have to enter into that. You are reifying, substantiating, building a substrate through your mind, mind stream of something else. This is about being aware, not about constructing some kind of thing that will get you to some other place called enlightenment. Enlightenment is already the case. You are not separate from the Buddha, never have been, never will be. 
but it's necessary to realize it, not just think it up and believe it and have a bunch of concepts around it where you've memorized a bunch of things and now you can track the whole thing or you can appear to others as if you know something about this. So there's no, my way of saying it, and it's traditional, it's not something I particularly invented, but there's no, if you watch what arises and you don't have some kind of imputation that there's someone observing that, which quite often goes unseen because we're so attached at pushing that away that we don't want or fluffing that up that, oh, this is pretty good. I think I'm doing pretty good. This is gonna be a pretty good meditation. I seem to be very serene. I seem to be very calm. There's not much uh, discursiveness going on, progress. No, not progress. What is it? It's uh, addition. It's adding something on to that which is occurring. So it's, a, it's an elaboration on that situation rather than a true understanding. The true understanding of it is you won't see anything. You won't have the, the witness quality won't be reinforced by something else. I'm not saying there isn't a witness. I'm not saying there's an object, but they're not separate. As I say over and over again, don't believe me. I don't want you to believe me. That's very disrespectful. The Buddha's Dharma is not a system of belief. There's nothing to take for granted. You have to do everything yourself. You have to actually do your own version, your own karma, your own sexual orientation or your um, state of your health, state of your mind, your intellect, all of that comes in and you have to do it yourself. It's a transcendental do-it-yourself project and you get a little shove or a little push or a little encouragement from the teaching person, the teaching, which is thousands of years old, saying the same thing over and over again in different languages, different ways, different expressions through different personalities. And then the community, which is indispensable, the community or the Sangha. So it's difficult to do because when we sit down and don't do anything, just hold very still over a period of time, maybe not the first three hours, three weeks, three years, maybe not right away. Maybe it'll just be, we're going this way, we're going that way. This doesn't work very well. Maybe I better find another teacher, maybe another way of, maybe I should do tantric practice, or maybe I should do, uh, maybe I should do what the, what the Buddha actually taught, which is what the Theravadins are teaching. Maybe, maybe, but what I say, you do, you decide. Of the two, as Atisha said in the centuries ago, of the two, uh, keep the principal witness. Of, of you and everything else, keep the principal witness. But that witness is just watching what's going on. So witnessing is fine. It's when you add on to what you're witnessing. I think this is true. Don't add, don't subtract, don't divide, no math at all. And that's difficult. <laughs> That's, that's difficult to do that because we're kind of watching. We're not only watching what arises, then we, then we have the additional uh, um, function of watching ourselves add on to it. And then, of course, the temptation is, is to try to stop doing that. And why wouldn't you? I just said, don't add. But it's not exactly that. It, it actually it shifts over to, uh, if, you, if I say don't add, then you'll be aware of how much you're adding but then when you shift over to that, then it's just, we're just witnessing the adding too. It's not exactly, I say, don't add, then you might not have to. But if I say that and you do anyway, then that's, that's something else that is arising, that there is no self that is behind that. There's no perpetrator. There's no victim. There's no, the, the polarity has pretty much been shot in the butt. There isn't anything else. 
you can't you can't find anything to hang on to. If you can, then there's a finder, and then there's something grasping, and there's something showing up as what what we call relative truth. Remember the line. Let's see. It must be on page eighty-three. Just see all thoughts, words, and actions arising all by themselves, not from any imaginary point within. That imaginary point within is, is the uh, imputed or identity that we grasp or reject or manipulate. It's imaginary. It's unreal. And when I say it's unreal, it doesn't, it has its own kind of Reality, just like a dream is unreal, but it happened and we saw it and we experienced it. And when we were in the dream, we thought that was real. We reacted or acted or were afraid or happy or neutral. So I'd love to have some questions. Go ahead, Shoto. Shoto Valley. Does something have to be ignored for that point, um, that imaginary point? To show up or work? How so? Say more. Hurry up. <laughs> what allows that to appear internal? How do you mean? What, what allows that to appear internal? The things that are arising by themselves. How does that um, show up in that way? To to, from that imaginary point. I'm not, I understand what you're saying. I hear what you're saying, but I'm not exactly sure what you're asking about. It's an imaginary, that consciousness uh, uh, has, has all kinds of forms. It can take any form. It takes form, the leaves and the trees are consciousness. That carpet is consciousness. This this uh, kotsu is consciousness. This human being, these are, there's consciousness but it's showing up in all kinds of different forms. And one of the forms it shows up in and as because of dependent origination, pratitya samapada, or nothing comes from its own side as an individual, everything is dependent on everything else for its apparent singularity, where we say that a hundred times. And so the, so the, the ego mind is structured the same way. Uh, the, at some point, and we don't, we can't trace down the history necessarily, and it's not necessary to. It looks like we need to find out who caused this, and you'll notice that we go to the immediate, some kind of a straight line to the cause, sometimes called blame. If someone is, if you have some kind of uh, area of your consciousness where you're ignoring that, and somebody uh, is on a similar frequency, a frequency to the area of that particular issue or difficulty or uh, that substrate that is covered up with uh, whatever, bed sheets or tree limbs or whatever, covered up or ignored, somebody comes along and does something, says something, has some kind of action that, that resonates with that, uh, then even though they haven't done anything, just their style somehow resonates with that, then you may have intense, what's called a mountain out of a molehill kind of thing. You may have an intense reaction and because they did something and you felt something really strongly, you can end up blaming them for how you feel when really it's your feelings. As you've heard me say a hundred times, nobody dumped a bunch of feelings into you. They are always your feelings. And you could do what? 
respond to them and take responsibility, be responsible for their feelings. So the imaginary part is, is that aspect of the consciousness that comes together as, as a protection. It's a paranoid, uh, Drunk Rinpoche called it uh, a paranoid insurance policy. The Yogacara tradition calls it uh, the, the sixth con- or the seventh consciousness, that aspect of consciousness that is paranoid and wants to protect some kind of being that who is has been so-called downloaded into a body who's functioning as this is my sense of touch, my I'm the one who's seeing this. Instead of just seeing, smelling, tasting, touching, just that, nothing else. Then we add on out of our fear, we add on out of our hope, something else. Second noble truth, wanting things to be different than they are. Then we add on some kind of an uh, uh, imaginary, as it says in the poem, the imaginary pari, uh, what is it, pari culpita? Is that the one? Yeah. What are the other two? Tantra and Parnishpana. What do they mean? Um, I just know what they might translate to. The, the dependent nature, the perfected nature, and the imaginary nature yeah so pointing right at that aspect of consciousness that makes up stuff and it's making up stuff uh can be based on all kinds of things that just like people who are artists make up stuff if that gets confused that making up stuff can get out of out of whack and that person could begin to torture themselves based on not being a successful artist even though they're extremely talented there's several artists in history that are incredibly incredible ability and yet because they were so interested in being a person who was creative that when their creativity tend to tend to dive a little bit they or their perception of it was it take a dive then they would go into some kind of self-destruction or self-hatred or something so that that uh as i understand your question that is a that's an, an artificial central area that is a paranoid and it, and it comes together because something is, because of nerve endings, because of uh, what happened to you in the 13th century. And don't misunderstand, I'm not, I'm not promoting past lives or rebirth or any of that. Those are all words that talk about or refer to something. It looks like something else has gone on at some other time. And you kind of were there, but not really, but kind of, but not really, because we don't believe in that. So this is why I say over and over again, don't believe it, don't disbelieve it, don't ignore it. And then, then it actually be, will begin to show up as it is relative to the karma that brought you into this realm of the human beings in the first place. Then you actually, uh, your singularity uh, shows up not as an ego, somebody who wants something, somebody who's fighting with something, somebody who's blaming something, somebody who's getting credit for something, but someone who is absolutely, completely, and relatively dances with the phenomenal world, to put it bluntly. And they may be doing that in a garden uh, in, uh, in Russia and no one will ever know because that lifetime just understands. It's happening everywhere. People who are clear uh, out of the spontaneity that arises as a living being, some people are born that way. They, don't, they, don't, they are the spiritual path. But because of the structure of the world, that is tamped down, pushed away, crowded off in the corner. So the only way you have, the only real option we have to, to do anything is uh, because of the relative and materialistic world. Materialism is just rampant everywhere. You can't even, you, know, you can't even find a true spiritual path once in a while. 
but it's, it has trouble surviving because there's so much demand on results. There's so much demand on behavior. There's so much demand on obeying. Even Dharma teachers, you have to obey them. As it says in the Tibetan tradition, uh, whatever the guru says that I will do, not a good idea. It's just a misunderstanding. It's, and it's a, you know, 300 years ago or a thousand years ago, probably because of the way society was structured, you almost needed to have that kind of thing because people would come in and uh, didn't have the kind of, shall we say, sophistication that we do now. Not a compliment, just an observation, but the kind of, um, I think that's probably the only word would work, that we probably had to come down and kind of clamp down on people, especially 13-year-old monks, 14-year-old monks. But now uh, that, don't, don't, don't do give, uh, what I say is give me the benefit of the doubt, but you don't trust anything, don't trust anybody. As it says in Atisha, seven points of mind training, of the two, keep the principal witness. That means trust this, but make sure you're training your mind so that you don't get caught up in what? Mis misunderstanding for trust as belief. Trust is not belief. Trust is like walking on stilts, no guarantee, especially when one of the stilts goes away and you think, how am I going to walk? I only have one stilt. You only need one stilt. Why? There's nowhere to go. That's a message from this world. There isn't anything. There's just this. Further questions? So, Gwen. Things arising all by themselves um, seem to be attached to our particular body mind and yeah. memory. And are we adding when we have insight into a memory or yeah. see sure. a different aspect? If you do anything with what arises, you're adding. Anything. Anything. Don't add. Let the world add on to you, but don't add. When I say let, I'm saying don't stop it. Just receive, just receive. The world is telling you over and over and over again. Uh, the, the words of the Buddha is being preached by everything you see. It's, it's saying, and I freely translate that, not separate, not separate, not separate, not separate, not separate. This is uh, the other world that you're looking for. This is uh, nirvana. This doesn't mean you won't get a headache tonight. And if you get a headache tonight, you think that means must mean you're not in nirvana. <laughs> the best headache you can have is nirvana. It's um, not always clear that I'm adding because sometimes the story sort of develops. Yes. Um, and I don't know if that's arising on its own or if I'm you're, you're good. Just continue to observe that. It's like oh, you're just on the side of a mountain and generally you're a fully ordained monk. Uh, as of a month ago or so, and uh, just keep going. The Buddha used the form, the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, the teacher, the teaching, and the Sangha. Those three will support you as you go along. More? More about that? Is it important to see the difference between adding and something just arising on its own? I think you'll sure it's important but it's not it's not uh, it's not a kind of discursiveness that figures it out you just see it if it shows up it's it's arising it's just arising 
it's dependent origination, just things happen, things flow. And then we, we, we label it or we name it or we, or we judge it or we, uh, we abandon it for what we think about it instead of receiving what's there. If you're receiving what's there, you won't know what it is. I'm not saying you won't have some kind of clue, but it won't be very clear. And the ego mind doesn't like that kind of lack of clarity because it feels a little bit threatened by that. And it's uh, starting to look for some kind of way to stabilize. And it could end up as being blaming something or something or somebody or explaining something. Or it could be the blame could go uh, uh, come out of the pride area and down into the shame area, blaming yourself. I can't do this. I'm never going to get this. I'm just a, I'm a terrible whatever student. No chatter. But one might have to do that for a while and, and witness that in order to really fundamentally make friends with yourself. As the trunk room, which I would say, make friends with yourself. Don't, don't be somebody else. Be genuine. Look at the negativity you, you're trying to get rid of. Do things show up less connected then and more dreamlike if there's no addition to what's arising? Yeah, more dreamlike. And that's uh, that's very challenging uh, to the self-centeredness and to the, what we refer to as the seventh consciousness. And for those of you who don't know, the eight consciousnesses in the yoga yoga tradition are the first five sense fields, touch, smell, taste, and so on. And then the sixth, which is just a kind of a mechanical area of the thinking process, which keeps keeps track of all of that uh, input coming from the six sense fields and gives us the, uh, the, the at least a uh, temporary identity of it's, it's the same consciousness that is hearing that is smelling. Um, and although that can get confusing sometimes. And then the seventh, uh, which is the, the paranoid aspect of consciousness that actually is worried and is, and has kind of, it's kind of a gatekeeper consciousness. And, uh, and then the eighth, which is the storehouse consciousness. And depends on which tradition you study. Some say there's even uh, one not even further than the uh, the Alaya Vijnana or the Eighth Consciousness, which is which is a storehouse. Some say some say there's a an even further one. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. But using that that structure can be helpful to to just be able to watch what comes and goes, and then watch what gets trapped by the seventh. I don't like that. Uh, I really like that. I need, we need more of that. And it's not that that's relatively incorrect. It could be. It's when we overdo it and when we get fixated on right or fixated on wrong. A little bit of that, that's why it's called the middle way. A little bit of that is, it's just dealing with the relative truth. Some things work really well. Some things don't work very well. What we tend to do though is we want control. So we tend to we tend to go into one area, which is that's why I say don't go to war and don't go to peace. Take no position. This doesn't mean you don't see uh, uh, something that you actually need to step into and, and do something with it. We're not saying, but it's a situational thing where you're operating out of, you don't need the, the prefab situation of knowing what to do next. Although sometimes the Buddhist uh, precepts or the 16 precepts are used in that way. That being said, you may need to do that to some extent for a while, but eventually the precepts are, uh, as the Kobanchino Roshi told me a long time ago, they are to be <coughs> observed. So not followed like rules or like commandments, observe them. If you observe them, then you notice how you can't help but kill something 
you can't help but tell things that aren't true. You can't help but uh, uh, take things from people. Go ahead, Johan. Johan Bowing. So when you mentioned that during the, uh, the space, uh, imagination space, uh, my question or what I'm trying to say is I still can't dance between the imagination because that's bring the sparks to my life. And also when you mentioned that the full realization, so is there a possible possibility? Um, I feel like I have the possibility and I have the faith between the two parts, imagination or the sparks because that's my life and also the full realization. So what's the question? My question is, what do you think? I don't do that much. But if you ask me a straight question, and I'll do my best to respond. I don't mean to be putting you off, but that's uh, going uh, several different directions there. Just give me a straight question. I'll respond and be as helpful as I can. My straight question is, is there a possibility between? Between what? Between the imagination, the space, and also the full uh, realization means that no addition, no subtraction, as you said, no ignorance. Slow down. So is that the question? Yes. Are you saying, is there a space between them? Yeah, between the space, is there a possibility to enjoy both? Uh, they're actually not different. They just look that way. When you think there's, there's this thing and that thing, that's the very nature of delusion or confusion or suffering. There, are, there aren't two things anywhere. So there's no space between anything. So therefore, it's nothing but space. And, and you know, I can use the I can keep using playing around with language. And you know, the language is coming out of what I see, not what I've been taught. I've been taught a lot of stuff. I don't remember most of it. But it's, it's from my it's from uh, uh, dedication and devotion to my teachers, and to the Sangha, and to the teaching and uh, at this point, there isn't anything else. That doesn't mean that everything isn't arising. It isn't some things are red, some are blue, some, some are children, some are old people, some are alive, some are dead, some are flying in the air, some are crawling in the grass, but not separate. They're fundamentally not separate. So there isn't anything else. So your only mind, your own mind, you're looking your mind everywhere. This is sometimes called, as it says in the banner down here at the end of the over the, the Doan seat in the Zendo, perception only. There's nothing perceived, there's no object, there's no otherness, and there's no perceiver and no identity or subjectivity. Those are illusory. If you if you see that those are illusory, if you, you have to see it, you, it can't be just kind of a, hmm, I think I'll, I think that I'll start thinking about stuff. If you see it, work is done, there's nothing else to do. You may help people who ask for your help or give you permission. You may not. You may you may uh, uh, start a uh, uh, tree trimming business. So there isn't any. There's no one else. There is all the dualities. You can't name one that doesn't collapse into the other and become not separate. And when the final dualities uh, uh, collapse, then there isn't there isn't anything. As His Holiness the Sixteenth Karmapa said in his deathbed uh, in 1981. Nothing happens. <laughs> we know what that means. We know that it's important, but it's hard to understand it conceptually without shutting down the very complete poetry that is being expressed there. 
nothing occurs. Bobby. Facing the wall, keep doing that. Yes. Yeah, just return to the wall, return to the Sangha, return to the Buddha, return to the, yeah. Just, just keep return to the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, and train your mind so, so you can see so that when you're when you're studying, you can see more and more clearly, less and less grasping, less and less rejecting, less and less shutting down passion, aggression, and ignorance, and more. Just this, as has been sometimes said, and I say, what you're looking for, you're looking at, you're looking right at it all the time, even if it's your butter dish that's half full. That is, that's not separate from the Buddha. The, the Buddha is actually talking to you out of that, the enlightened one. And it, am I talking about some kind of airy fairy magical thing? Uh, it's magical, but it's ordinary magic, as a, the Vidyatara would say. It's ordinary magic. So it's it's because everything you see is amazing. And it's not that they're, you're, you go around with some kind of feeling of astonishment. That might start that way, but it eventually fades out. And there's it's pretty flat out ordinary, ordinary magic. Nothing special. Further questions, if you have them? Junshu Bowing. Yes, go ahead. There is a question on YouTube from Ben Van Blackham. He asks, does rejecting give rise to duality and the delusion of which? Yeah, if you're rejecting something, yeah, that you're creating, you're buying into the illusory situation that you've been born into, you're actually reinforcing it by pushing. You're reinforcing it by pulling. You're reinforcing it by shutting down. But if you don't do anything with it, then the karma that brought you into this realm in the first place uh, is respected. You're respecting your own Buddha nature, your mind, your mind stream. The samsara and nirvana are not two, nor are they one. And that's why the thinking mind can only go so, so far. It can take you to the edge of the mountain, but it can't push you off. You have to jump yourself into open space. Go ahead, Yuzan. Is sitting practice the Dharma? Yeah, it's the truth. I mean, but when you sit, then the truth might be pretty difficult or painful if you've been pushing and fighting with your world and concluding things and, you know, then, yeah, it's, it's the Dharma. I mean, it has to start somewhere, so might as well start. Uh, as the Buddha said, it's been said down through the centuries, uh, you need to, the Buddha is in the palm of your hand. It's right in front of you. The Buddha is in the palm of your hand. The other one is uh, is uh, the, the jewel or the diamond in the garbage heap. You have to look at the negativity in yourself to see that your fundamental nature is completely pure and without contamination or blemish. That doesn't mean you have a feeling of how wonderful you are or how everybody should start bowing down to you because you're the holy one. That's a uh, materialism. Go on. I think you said um, you can take us to the edge, but you have to jump. Can you jump on purpose? Once you understand what that is, but you can't do it as a, as a demonstration of your jumpiness. So where's jumping? So it would show up different for different people, but uh, for you specifically, and I know you pretty well, I would say it's seeing there is name one to jump. There is no one. 
but you need to get up there with the idea that you're you're going to you're going to do this and then you go up and you say there's no cliff there's no mountain there's no jumper there isn't anything else but this and what is this the buddha and what is the buddha it's not a person that lived 2500 years ago although that's what was necessary a human being had to actually convey this into this realm and then there needed to be other people who resonated with that who kept this going otherwise this would not be showing up that's why we have all these forms so we have a, a backbone to it because uh, what is on the backbone uh, can blow away hi Will you read the first part of that poem again? Yeah. I can read the whole thing if I can choke my way through it. It's extremely moving. And it's, um, but I'll do my best. Another Uttara crossed over. I ask Parachara, Parachara, what is the path? Padachara said, just see all thoughts, words, and actions arising by them all by themselves, not from some imaginary point within. Oh, mm -hmm. question from that. Okay, go ahead. The imaginary point within is still arising by itself. So? But the belief in that, how, how is... It still it seems like there's a witness or an observing point of view. So how can we see that that in itself is it? Uh, observer can't see itself. So if you begin, if you look for a self, to, and I'm not condemning you to anything, you probably, probably I'm not going to find anything. But maybe you will. Take a look. More. If we're observing what rises in mind choicelessly, it still feels like there's that witness observing that. So? So how can we release that illusion? I don't, don't, can't even do that. I don't release anything. Do nothing with it. Observe, just see it. Just see it. Whatever's happening, just observe. And if any letting go or releasing needs to happen, then it will happen in terms of dependent origination. Or not. As a as a um, guardian has said in the second century, um, <laughs> uh, you may attain enlightenment, you may not. This is it's a wonderful joke. So it seems like why aren't you laughing at it? Because I've heard it before. Oh, yeah, it's old joke. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Forgot what I was saying. Oh, so um, you just keep doing it. The choiceless reference point is seems to be observing the choiceless thoughts. You said to just keep doing it, and you mentioned the word trust. What is trust? Well, it's it's kind of an odd kind of word. I would say uh, give uh, give the, the world is trusting you, or you wouldn't have ever got in, get in here in this human realm. So there's just let things be what they are. That's why we sit down in front of a wall and just. Just receive whatever's coming up. Give it the benefit of the doubt. As I say to people that are studying, uh, as uh, students of mine, I say, give me the benefit of the doubt, but don't necessarily believe what I'm saying. 
Shut up. Shut up, bowing. Does the belief in the self have to fall away for us to see that the self is not real? I think something happens in that area, but it's uh, the, the idea of belief, disbelief, or not believing or ignoring is a, is a way of talking about it. What it fundamentally is, is it, it doesn't break, it only breaks down that way in the path, but the understanding is, is without a conclusion. It's without an exclusion. So it isn't, it isn't something else that occurs. So your actual life, uh, you could say, and people say long before I got here, nothing really happens. Nothing, nothing occurs. It's not an occurrence. And, and uh, awakening is not, uh, not an experience. If it's an experience, it's like any experience. Here's an experience. What's the experience doing? Fading away. So realization does not fade away. And it also does not appear because it's always been there. You've always been not separate from the, the awakened one, from awakening. Go ahead. It feels like with even the teachings in Buddhism, it just invites that it's pointing to something else. So how do we see that it's pointing to what we're already looking at? Just keep going. Face the wall, sit down, train your mind, watch what's moving and see and uh, see what this is for yourself and notice that you're actually covering up the very thing that you're trying to understand or see. Cover, we cover it up with our ideas, with our conclusions, with our hopes, our fears, our desires, our and fear gets sometimes really gets ramped up depending on what's happening in our, our family, our culture, our society, our sangha. Anyone on, uh, on zoom, there's, uh, there's people in there that I can't see that are in the other, uh, area. So I can't tell if you're wanting to ask a question, but if you are, um, yell or something. Anyone else? Go ahead, Choto. Choto the question I asked earlier is um, around the imaginary inside point. Could you read that line again? What is it? Could you read the first part of that poem one more? Oh, sure. Mm -hmm. I think I can. You want to read, start at the beginning? Read it. Want me to start? Okay, uh, another Uttara crossed over. I asked Padachara, what is the path? Padachara said, just see all thoughts, words, and actions arising all by themselves, not from some imaginary point within. No, go ahead. So where's that boundary that we're saying something's within versus without? You're, you're imputing it. It's, it, it, you know, at some, I'm not saying you're not separate from say uh, um, that chair over there, but you're separated. And to see that you're actually fundamentally not separate from that chair, but you're conditionally separated. What happens is we tend to impute there's some because there are eyes here and there's no eyes in the chair. 
we think we're we have some kind of a special get some kind of special treatment. Everything everywhere you look, you're seeing yourself. This is not this is not a conclusion. It's you actually see it. If if I didn't if I weren't if I, I couldn't teach if I didn't see this. I see it. So that's where uh, I sometimes I will say because I want you to come and challenge me. Because I think if you do that and see how I respond to that, that might help you. But usually people are afraid of doing that because they're afraid I'll, they'll hurt my feelings. <laughs> Go ahead. Frequently, you'll More use... here or less? I... More or less? Speak. <laughs> less. Go ahead. What's your question? You'll, you'll bring up the hand and you say the fingers are separated but not separate. Yes. And that's easy to see because I can look down and see you the can. hand. So yeah. it actually looks not separate to me. Yeah. But I can jump off yeah. the ground and I've noticed that. I look really separate. You do. How do I see the hand? Do it with a mind stream. Train yourself with a mind stream so that you, you are training yourself to witness or see or observe whatever's moving without any comment. No elaboration, nothing to it at all. And this helps you. Not much is going to happen when you're sitting. It's pretty boring. Uh, the downside of boring is boring, boring. But the upside of boring is that how, how that is how it feels to do not much, to, to sharpen the awareness aspect of the, uh, the awareness aspect of the mind. Uh, if there's not much happening there. Content is coming and going. It doesn't stick on anything because you don't you have no priorities. Uh, good thoughts, bad thoughts, evil thoughts, lazy thoughts, judgments of others. You just observe them. You don't try to train yourself to be a better observer. Although there are some traditions that do that, try to get you, they give you kinds of training that try to get you to stabilize. I did that for three decades, trying to stabilize in shamatha practice. It's, uh, um, it's uh, I'm not saying it's not workable, but for some people, it's the very thing they need to do. Go ahead. So if there's a question on uh, on Zoom, uh, I'd be happy to respond to it. Otherwise, we can close. I think uh, it's 9 o'clock. Any questions? Teresa Bowen. Go ahead, Teresa. In looking at the first reminder, what is it that's to be contemplated that's free and well-favored, Bowen? Just, just your being, your consciousness. You just, you're, you're here. Your name's Teresa. Uh, you're here. You're in a room, and you've stumbled onto the Buddha's Dharma, and you, you, you're relating to the the three jewels. And uh, and I, I know you're getting ready to go into a ten day solitary retreat. So pretty, pretty much to do that or connect with this kind of just out of one's traditional Western karma. So you're, you're free to actually look at something like this. You're not, you know, you're not so tied into your beliefs. You're, you're well favored in that you're not all loaded up with lots of ideas and, and hope and fear about the nature of everything. So you, so you have enough, uh, um, you're able to investigate uh, and you know, what's, what does the Buddha have to say? What does this Dharma teacher have to say? What is it? What, is it, what happens if I train my mind in the way I'm told here? And that which is seeing that is the, is the Buddha nature but it is in a costume, it's in a disguise, it's in a mask, and we can't find it. We can't see the real situation. The actual situation is 
uh, is, uh, you could say to use the fancy word, is absolute. There's no, there's no coming, there's no going, there's no existence, there's no non-existence. It has no uh, position to it. Your true nature uh, is, uh, doesn't come and go. You could say it's beyond birth and death, or you could say it is birth and death. You can't find anything that is separate from you anymore. And so you, sometimes it's said that the, the, instead of someone is seeing something or someone is studying something, the, the, the seeing, the, the sight itself is, you don't need a, per, a personality behind it. You don't need a personality that is, who's hearing this? Well, you might ask and, and no one's going to come back and say, me, I'm hearing it. And as uh, Ramana Maharshi said, uh, you know, uh, uh, well over 100 years ago, uh, we had a practice called Atma Vichara, or self inquiring into the nature of the self, or is there a self, a tr uh, Indian uh, tradition. And uh, uh, his way of te teaching it was uh, ask who's, who's doing anything, who's thinking. And then if, if, if a response comes back that says, I'm thinking, then say, well, who is that? So he said, just double up on it and just continue to ask until, until nothing shows up. Now, you may have to do that a long time. You might not be able to do that in two or three days, years, decades for that matter. Sugar Bowing. Yes. What does it mean to save all beings when people need to do it themselves? Well, because we're not separate from each other. We're separated. Hi, Ellie. <laughs> we're separated, but we're fundamentally not separate. We're separated, so that's why we can have a separate, so-called a separate birth and a separate death and a separate, separate, separate. It's all over the place. The propaganda about separation, about materialism is intense. And it's hooked into all of our nerve endings and all of our saliva glands. And we're here and we're going to live and we're going to get what we want and make a living and get a degree and be successful. And But death comes without warning. This is impermanent. This does not last. It's, there's no guarantee you're even going to live to be an old man like me. Something might come and take you out when you're young. And so impermanence. Might, might be a good idea to train your mind so you see what this is before the body-mind complex goes back into the elements and you believe you've died. Because if you believe you've died, just the nature of consciousness always finds its own form. And if it's fear, it'll find it. And if it's the Buddha, it'll find it. Or it will not separate itself from it. You, you are not separate from the Buddha. Don't believe any of it. They don't disbelieve it. And you might not want to look away from it. I, I don't get to Talk to people unless you give me permission. If everybody disappears, I'll take a nap. Probably several naps. Kuzan. How can that which is arising by itself be manipulated if there isn't some internal point? Because we believe that consciousness always finds its own form. If we think if there's some kind of scariness there, then we'll congeal into a, a ball of fear, a ball of me, 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 and I got to protect myself. Paranoia. Paranoia, more. Am I striking what you're asking about? Yeah, it's just paranoia. You don't have to get rid of it. I highly recommend that you don't get rid of anything. The very thing that is arising uh, in, in this situation is no matter how difficult it is, 
uh, all you have to do is see it's unreal. You don't have to do away with it. And if you, if you try to get better and prove, then you really can't help people because people don't want to talk to somebody who's all, all, all proud of how wonderfully intelligent and sacred they are or how enlightened they are. Have you ever met anybody who tells you how enlightened they are? I have. What do I say to them? Interesting. <laughs> I'm really fascinated with people who think they're enlightened. It's a very interesting area. I've met a few, not many. Most people just say it to their mirror when nobody's in the bathroom. I think I'm awake. I'm not sure. But I don't want to be an egomaniac and start telling everybody. You've been watching me? I'll just let you know. <laughs> Is that what you've been doing? <laughs> <laughs> you're just fessed up. You know, and I wanted her to because I have a video of her saying that, which I was going to put on uh, Instagram. <laughs> yeah. So you can't you, you if you know this you you it's a, a, a Jamgon Conkle's a, a book title of the title of the teachings of the the four foundation practices for Nundro practice in uh, the Tibetan Kagyu tradition is called the torch of certainty and that's that's how the, this you're certain of this and there's no proof and if you're interested I can help you if you're not I have nothing to sell nothing to promote. I respect you. I respect your karma. Do whatever you need to do with your life. And I can say this, the, the uh, comment that can tag along with you, maybe for longer than you care to hear. There are no mistakes. If you think there are mistakes, you'll spin and you'll try to correct yourself, which is the very nature of confusion, just to think there's something that needs fixing. Uh, read Long, uh, Long Chen Rabdan. Yeah, read him. Long Chenpa. I couldn't remember his contracted name. Great perfection. Okay. Is it? Yes, go ahead. You said that the torch of certainty doesn't have proof. And you also say that you, you teach out of what you see. How, yeah. does, how does what you see not function like proof? Because it's not separate from what I see. I'm seeing, okay, what, how, tell me, let me know what you think I'm saying. Paraphrase me. What am I saying? I don't know. What? How'd you get that robe? <laughs> I actually ordained him. I ordained you, and you don't know what I'm, you can't say in a couple of words what it is I'm teaching. <laughs> I can't say anything. Everybody's starting to get nervous. <laughs> <laughs> All these robes drop. Nothing is separate. I say it. Nothing, it's just simple. That's, that's, the, that's the whole teaching. There, nothing is separate. There are no separate things anywhere. And, and I don't have any proof, but I don't need proof because I see it everywhere I look. It looks like it looks like the same identity. It's called uh, the Tibetans have a word for that called rochig, one taste. It's not even it's not a taste. It's just there, it's one flavor. Everything has the same flavor. You have the same flavor. The walls, the carpeting, the people. It doesn't mean there isn't a lot of differences there. The ten thousand things are manifesting even more intensely. Ice cream is even more interesting than no ice cream. That's called the great ice cream controversy. Go ahead. No? Your memory your memory is as bad as mine. Okay. One final uh, uh, opening if, you're, if there's something on, uh, on Zoom. If not, that's fine. We can stop. Anything at all? I can only see uh, half of you there, so. 
if you have a question, type it in the chat box. Okay, apparently not. So we can dedicate the merit. And get this book if you if you really want to read some beautiful beautiful poems uh, translated. Uh, um, she was from the sixth century before the Common Era, so a long long time ago. An amazing amazing book. And thank you again, Maria, for this wonderful gift. And I'd also like to remind everybody, uh, we put a notice in the chat box. Uh, Sokazan will be teaching tomorrow from 3 to 3.45. Um, that's Eastern time. And this is the sixth day of the six paramitas through the Open Heart Project. And we put a direct link uh, on in the chat box. So uh, you can also find it by going to Susan Piver or typing in Open Heart Project. And Sokazan will be teaching on the Paramita of Wisdom tomorrow, 3 to 3.45. Thank you. May the merit of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. Sangha families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who's unhappy, sick, or suffering and fill them with light. 